0: What's I, funny about rappers asking about if they can curse or not on shows, I was like, don't y'all like write? I thought you could write without cursing. But then again, listening to some of today's music, well, music period. Some can't and some can, but I'm like, wow, it's just. I would say everybody that asked us, can they curse on the show? They don't really curse that nah. much afterwards. Not like that they literally be like, oh, can we curse? I'm like, yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah. I mean, if you want to. And then they be like, oh, okay. And they might say two words. That's, That's pretty much it. Because they're thinking about their parents. Except for, uh, you know, that there are some people that have gone in, but no, nobody's really nobody's that much in. on the show. The most that is probably cursed was Lenora, speaking of trying to, I, was <laughs> I was trying to throw her out there to the bus again, but. I was going to throw her into the bus. Lenora, Lenora, Lenora is our cursing. unofficial. She's our unofficial sister. Cursing. Cursing. Bad. She can't be our unofficial sister. My mom would be upset with that, with that, all that level of curse. <laughs> hi mom facebook the facebook the facebook had a conversation on facebook earlier and they were saying like spaghetti can't be a side is spaghetti a side or is it a main dish it's, our grandmother says it's a side, it's a side. <laughs> so i was like yeah i didn't know this was a thing it's a hot dog a sandwich yes no it's not it's a taco okay there we go it's a taco you can't call a hot dog a taco. First yes, of all. Yes, you can. To- okay. You okay. can call it a taco. All right then. And Black and, and, and ugly <laughs> as ever ever stay and down to my socks. It's your boy. Ha. <laughs> nah, what's my name again? Carlton Banks, also fashion over Casanova. Also, I'm sorry. No, I'm fashion over Hova. Uh yeah, fashion over Casanova works though. Nah. Um what's it called? Um I don't even remember who I am anymore. Oh, yeah, I'm Carlton Banks. Carlton with a, K, B, a and Triple X. Carlton with a, K, B, a and Triple X. That's when I want the ding. I want it down. Carlton with a K, B, <laughs> and Triple X. <laughs> and that's where the ding would go. Carlton with where a, K, K, a and Triple X. Ring. Carlton with a, K, B, a and Triple X. <coughs> there, there we go. go. There Got we it. There we go. And over to my whatever side it is today. You said my right. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. That's us. That's us. Co hosts. That's me. <laughs> My brother over here waving somebody at Somebody was waving. At, I was waving at somebody at the studio, not the studio audience. Not yeah. the audience. We don't have a studio audience. We don't audience. have a studio audience. Yet. All right, then. So. Just divine. <laughs> so, I don't know. What, what What's up with the gunshots? Like, why? Because I like it. Okay, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. L- l- let's it's get. a cannon. L- l- <laughs> the cannon. Cannon. Okay. Let's get to our guest today. Yeah. Who's our guest today? Our guest today is, you can go to introduce him. I'll let you handle that. Usually, I go into a long tirade of doing guests. <laughs> You're so <laughs> you got like, a long quiet, day, right? I don't. He's a quiet I man. We got Damian Randall. What's yeah. up, y'all? What? Damian Randall, who like. Does a lot. That's the thing. Like, does a lot. There was quite a bit yeah yeah definitely and we're going to talk about that he does so much that at, there's a half he doesn't at, even talk about yeah, uh, yeah. yes yeah. Yeah, there's a whole man a few words that's like because i told him now look damien and i have filmed uh i recorded another podcast and i was under the impression that damien just didn't want to talk about himself like i was like hey man you know if you ever want to come on the show and do a little thing but i mean you seem like you know he goes
1: Oh no! I talk about myself. I ain't got no problem with that. I was like, "Oh, okay, okay." I, I just like, don't. I just don't do it on an unsolicited basis. I don't just insert myself in the shit. Ah, that's good. Okay, okay. And yes, I was the person who was asking about cursing ahead of time. Yes. That yes. was you. No, no, no. Actually, I mean. Yeah, what are you talking I'm about? A number of people ask that, I'm though.
0: One, Literally every single person. Everybody gone, yeah, says. Every single one. Like, like it's like old school TV. Like, we going live. Oh, the radio. it like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> will be on the breakfast club. Can we curse up here? I was like, Did you hear Ray J? <laughs> you can definitely do it. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I don't know why people ask if yeah. we curse the Breakfast Club. I'm like, have you watched the Breakfast Club? You, can, like, curse. you, you can, can curse. You they'll can curse. They'll bleep it out if yeah, they need it, to yeah, that I day. I'm about
1: to say, they'll fix it. They have a professional bleeper out there. Yeah. I to say. They'll fix they'll it, it in it post. post. I'm
0: like, they'll, they'll do it in post. They have a professional a professional bleeper. He said they'll do it in post.
1: Sometimes they're a little off, but they'll get it in there.
0: Sometimes. Sometimes. And yeah. that's the spice of life.
1: So, yeah, this is uh, it's weird for me to be on this side of it. Usually I'm the one. Uh, You're always. You know, I'm usually the one behind the the controls. Really? Watching all the tomfoolery, don't you, don't Lately,
0: you. you've been the one behind the controls, but we are also talking about you used to be in front of. Uh, we're talking about. I mean, okay, you headlining shows in Prague. I mean, it's sure. like that's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. So you were definitely at one point in front, <laughs> and then you made the decision to
1: step back. Oh yeah. Which do you prefer? Uh, it depends. It it really depends. Um, once I start doing one, I kind of miss the other. If that makes really? any sense, okay. The the one thing about being a I don't I don't know where you want to start with it, but I, I'll just speak in generalities. One thing about being a musician is <sighs> the deep yeah. sigh, deep sigh. <laughs> you and, and this is just this is just real talk. You have to come to a point where you realize that you may not be as in demand anymore as you were at some point. Ah. And it's time for you to step back and, and, and figure out what else you can do in and around that. I think what happens with a lot of people is, like, if someone wants to be a rapper, they will rap until someone else tells them it's time to step away. Um, I know that we got to a point where the demand for our music wasn't as high as it was at some point, and we said, you know what, let's take this time to diversify what it is that we do so that we're never caught out there in a situation where someone else is telling us when to step away, and so let's back up then because you
0: <laughs> said you don't know where yep. we want to start. We want to start at the beginning. Okay, at the very very beginning. So when you say we, you are referring to Uh my rap group, Chaotix. All right, and let's back up before then. Okay, because you didn't start out in a rap group.
1: Ah man, I mean <laughs> I've. You know, back on June eighteenth, nineteen. 19- so, wow. Where Where are you from? Sound like Bill Cosby. I'm from Sunnyside, Houston, Texas. Sunnyside, Houston, come. born Texas. and Southside, proud. All right. Um, enemy of the Northside. <laughs> <laughs> Self, self-proclaimed enemy of the Northside. Uh, that's old school Houston for real. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, went to Law Elementary, and then went to Askew Elementary for Vanguard, and went to Lanier Middle School, and then went to Lamar High School. Now are you
0: uh, at what point in this career up up to high school are you deciding I want to get into rap are you even affected by rap or, like like anything
1: man up until up until high school I was going to be a comic book artist Really? Okay. You okay. know what? That's okay. And then rap ruined my life. Oh. <laughs> How uh, did it ruin your life? Com- wait, wait, wait! Before we even get to that, let's, let's
0: get on the comic books. Then oh, I would say you're talking about the comic book artists. Like, yeah. what, what comics were you looking at, and what were you trying to draw? What were you trying
1: to get into? All of. Well, you know, comic books. This is this is the funny part. Out of all the conversations I, ha- I have with people about music and movies and every everything else that they know me for, comic books are really my first love. Okay. Uh, my mother took me to a comic book store when I was eight years old and back then you know they sold comics on a newsstand I was buying mostly X-Men comic books uh, like G.I. Joe and Transformer comic books um, Superman Spider-Man and and I would just I would just draw I would just I wouldn't trace but I would actually I would look at the picture in the book and just draw it freehand on a larger scale uh, just to practice just to practice my forms and then up until I I said high school up until middle school um, I was really going to be a comic book artist. I was, I was, I was, I'm not going to lie, I was kind of cold with it. I was pretty good okay. with it. Okay. And then a uh, friend of mine introduced me to Eric B. and Rakim. And. What
0: grade was this?
1: This was, I'm about to date myself. Yeah, yeah, you were. Um Seventh grade.
0: Seventh <laughs> grade, Eric B. and Rakim? Sixth, no,
1: sixth grade. Sixth okay. grade, Eric B. and Rakim. Um, changed my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, the following year, I was introduced to NWA. And that change your life again. Changed my life <laughs> even further. And I was like, I really, I really you know, I'd kind of I'd known of rap before then, but those really gripped me. And I just started diving more and more into music. Uh more into K R S one. Uh by the time I got out of middle school and into high school, it was really like a tribe called Quest, De La Soul, Pete Rock, uh, Ghetto Boys, Too Short, Far Side. Like it, the the entire the entire spectrum that we'll call it of of hip hop, I really got into that, and actually through high school I was a dancer. I wasn't even trying to rap; I was actually a dancer, and we won the talent show in, in senior year. And um, but during the same time, my boy Mike, who who I rapped with in Chaotix, before we even thought about doing anything, uh, we had a class when I was in my senior year. He was in his junior year. It was a I don't know if anyone remembers this. This is a an old computer language called Pascal that yes. nobody uses. nobody uses it yeah. anymore not anymore. but what that class allowed us to do was it allowed us to send messages to each other much like the way email works and so we would send like little little bars to each other, just little hot bars to each other. Like, ah. <laughs> And that's we nice. would spend the entire class, we almost failed the because we would basically just battle each other in class. <laughs> and there was really nothing else, but, like that's what we did the entire year. Oh, ahead of, ahead of the time, battling yeah. electronics. just just key styling on fools. <laughs> key styling, <laughs> key styling, <laughs> <laughs> key styling. Yeah. nice. And uh, so then, I graduated that year, and sometime that summer, Mike gave me a call, he goes by Big Mun professionally, uh, he gave me a call. <clears throat> said that he got approached by someone who was looking to manage a rap group. And she asked him if he was in a group. And he was like, yes, I am. Completely lying. So he called me that day. It was like, hey, so uh, this lady wants to manage a rap group. I told her I was in a group. You feel like being in a group? So, you know, I don't have anything else going on. I'm about to start college in the fall. Um, sure, why not? And we... <laughs> We signed a handwritten contract on legal paper, <laughs> written in pencil. Mm. And I, pencil. Yeah. I, I remember her name to this, to this day. She was, a, she was a medical assistant who was trying to get into music, and she signed us up for a talent show. It was a citywide talent show, and we got robbed out of first place by uh, someone who sang a gospel song. The girl could not sing. But gospel, um, gospel but will make Kanye you The Kanye West thing. It, it's it's like, gospel, gospel makes you it's like It's like, it's like amateur yeah. Night at the Apollo. Exactly. You know, they, they don't boo anybody you if can, you say gospel. You can't yeah. boo the Lord. You yeah. sure can. You and can't we, do it. And we got shut down. So we, well, we got second place, which was like losing us. You should have done like and You should have ended your verse with Jesus. I could have. Then just dropped the mic. She well, She went after us. <laughs> Oh, but you you weren't prepared. Yes, I, well, I, wasn't, went after. Ready. I yeah. wasn't ready. That was our first lesson. That mm-hmm. was our first lesson. And really we were just gonna be a group just for that one talent show, to yeah. be honest. Did y'all already have a name? Uh we we had a name at the time. What was the, the name? The first name of the group was Guess Who. Okay. 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 And because and because this was the early nineties, we spelled it G E S S space H O O. Okay. Okay. Thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, we learned that there was a, a rock group called The Guess Who. I think they, they were from like the sixties or seventies, and we decided to change the name. I'm glad we did not stick with that. All right. And uh, eventually, we came up with the Chaotix a couple of years later.
0: Okay. Yeah. So you went from Guess Who to Chaotix. Yep. And then y'all are this is
1: this was supposed to be a one time thing. Yep. One time thing. Uh, and this was this was like ninety two. And But after the talent show, after we suffered that horrifying defeat <laughs> um, in, the, in the name of Jesus, yeah, we decided that, you know, let's, let's go ahead and uh, let's just keep writing stuff. And we, we actually knew a couple guys from high school who were signed to uh, a very small, now defunct label called New Style Records, Damn. a group called Satin Smooth. Uh, do your Google's, do your YouTube's, so you'll Sat- find them on there. Satin smooth. S A T space N space smooth. I'm R- glad you spelled it because yeah, people yeah, <laughs> like, I'm like
0: satin smooth. It's like okay, wow. okay yeah.
1: Any any group from the '90s, you got to you, you have to, have to spell miss- it because yeah. yeah. like, phonetically, nah, yeah. it's not yeah, work. Like, you gotta
0: do, you gotta, you gotta change that up real quick. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you sign. We did not sign. Oh, you didn't sign with the, oh, you just knew Satin Smooth, and they were signed. Yes. Okay. We, we,
1: we, let me stress that. I can't stress that enough. We did not sign with mm. New Style for good reason. Didn't. But they introduced us to um, another young whippersnapper, up and coming producer, who was looking to get paired up with a group who now goes by the R. Um, and that the the story of meeting him was kind of funny as well. Uh, I don't know if you guys have met him before, the R, the producer. No. Um, well, you know. Okay, so let me let me paint the picture. So we're we're at a um, at the uh, satin Smooths producers apartment, and we're somewhere on the southwest side in the apartment. And while we're waiting for this new producer to show up, you know, their producer, he's stashing trash bags of weed in the closet. Um, he has another <laughs> closet full of guns. For whatever reason. And, you know, it's just it's just one of those things that we're just sitting around playing PlayStation or something like that. There's a knock on the door, and a little white kid with a flannel shirt comes in. And we're like, okay, who's this dude? And they're like, ah, this is my boy. This is the producer, Russell. We're like, oh, okay. Didn't expect this. What kind of shit is he producing? Ooh. You know, okay. And he pulled out some... Uh, you know, he pulled out some tracks and we were like, oh, he was very much on a, at the time, he was very much kind of like on a DJ premiere vibe. Yeah. yeah. And it, it was very good, very banging. And we just sat there for hours just like freestyling over his beats. And we were like, let's go. You know, let's rock to it. Uh, a couple of weeks later, we went to his house up in, ooh, up in Aldi and we recorded a couple songs and. Uh, the rest is history. Now and not you saying this is like ninety <clears> two. <throat> so ninety two is when we started. We we actually met the R probably early ninety three. Early ninety three. Yeah. So let's
0: uh, for the listeners and get, trying to get the soundscape. What is because we're in Houston.
1: Yep. What's the Houston sound at this time? Here's was this was crazy about it. The Houston sound at the time is especially as far as hip hop. Pretty much span the spectrum. Um, over the years, there, there have been, it's grown into distinct lanes. If that okay, makes that,
0: sense. that's, that's kind of what I want to hear. Yeah. But yeah, go ahead, elaborate on that.
1: But at the time, in the early to mid 90s, a lot of what you hear, a lot of the people that you see were really running in packs. So it wasn't unusual. See, a, a lot of people identified our sound as more of an East Coast sound. That's how, that's how they identified it. But we were also running with people like Kay Reno. Who was also running with people like, well, I was going to name a bunch of people that don't really exist in that context anymore, but, but with a group like us who was described as more of an East Coast sound, like we've opened for the Ghetto Boys before. Yeah. At Studio 9.9. And got, you know, a, a pretty open reception from the crowd there. Mm-hmm. Like there's no distinction between, you know, one genre of hip hop versus the other. So... It was, it was very undivided at the time and a pretty, it was actually a very supportive environment, hmm, so to speak. Okay. So you didn't have a lot of these divisions or categorizations that you have now, which is one thing that I know a lot of people who, who've come around from the late 90s on never got a chance to experience. They all, they've always assumed that there have been two sides of, a, of the stone mm-hmm. as far as Houston rap is concerned. But everyone used to run, really, in a in a pack. Like, the R, who used to produce, produce for us, also used to produce for Fisu. Um, he's also produced tracks for, submitted tracks to, like, Street Military. Like oh, okay. It, like, it's, it was very inclusive at the time. So what do you think, with, uh, I guess, with that, what kind of started happening? Was it just
0: one part started getting popular and then things just... Did the outside
1: world define it, or yep. did we define ourselves? How would it go? The telecommu- the Telecommunications Act of, if I'm not mistaken, 1996 hmm. um, changed a lot of it because, because of the way that radio worked following that. Radio could monopolize the playing of music the way that they wanted to. I mean, that's a very simplified version of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but radio stations were more incented now to play popular music rather than playing a variety of music. So if you go back to around 96, 97, that's where it changed and you started getting the saturation in radio play from the same playlist of 10 people. And once that happened, um, radio at the time still heavily influenced what people listened to and what what was in demand for a lot of people. Because just to give you an example, like a few years before, I remember when I was working at Astroworld, and I was right next to a spot that played music all day at Astroworld, and and they would play ninety seven nine, and you would hear Ghetto Boys followed by a tribe called Quest, followed by N.W.A. Like they, there was just a mixture of things. Come ninety six ninety seven, you had the same ten artists on.
0: Ah, okay. And okay.
1: for a lot of people, especially Houston, has always been very impressionable in terms of people from Houston. I hate to say it, people from Houston tend. To follow what they feel is already popular. That's, yeah. happened, that's happened a lot. And yeah. a lot of times at the expense of local talent. So they would say if these 10 people that are being played all day are the people that are being played, then that's who I need to pay attention to. And it just so happened that they tended to favor um, what was, I guess, a more predominant mainstream sound at the time. Or whoever had bigger pockets to get play on the radio.
0: Because I would say, like, from our perspective, we're coming back to Houston about... 93. We're coming back to Houston in 93, and shortly after. because before when we were here, like, when our cousins would give us tapes of the Ghetto Boys. Mm, easy. We got a couple of things. But I know when we did get here, and we're starting to enter high school, Houston seemed real West Coast. Yeah, Houston was Like, West everything, Coast. all of a sudden, I was Spokes. like, we a, it was a very much, like, a heavy Tupac influence. Like, Man. I was like, yo, I'm like, it's, it's like Tupac lives here, almost. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it kind of felt like. And so even when, I remember when it was like the big East Coast, West Coast thing, I was like, well, I listen to so much East Coast music. But it was like, everybody was like, oh, we listen to, I don't, like, I don't listen to Mom Deep, I don't listen to Wu-Tang, I don't yeah. listen to none of that stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, so Houston is just West Coast. That's how it felt. Sure, where, where
1: did y'all go to before y'all came back to Houston? Alaska. We were in Alaska. Oh. We
0: were completely separated <laughs> from everything. So okay. basically, whatever people would send us or give us, that's what So that's what MTV. Like, we was yeah. really on the we outside. Was the, we was in the classic rock and Woo. George Michael oh, at yeah. that time. Oh, absolutely. I'm still okay. a big George Michael fan. Hey. Uh, I was listening <laughs> to Aerosmith. When we went up to Alaska, <laughs> yeah. I remember uh, the year Janie's Got a Gun yep. was out. And then somebody Rumors gave me. It might have been Reggie. It might have been Reggie that gave me the ghetto boys i ain't know and a- gave uh, uh, Jermaine Jermaine yeah. gave me the ghetto boys tape Jermaine gave me Shout well, out Jermaine, the no Jermaine gave me the Wu-Tang tape oh, i yeah. think i took the Wu, i took a ghostface cd from them <laughs> i didn't know <laughs> who wu-tang was so when I first heard it, first of all, I thought Wu-Tang was one person, and I mm-hmm. thought that one person was Ghostface, and I thought his name was Wu-Tang. So I'm jamming it the whole time, <laughs> then when I start discovering the thing, I'm like, "Dude, who's this other dude that's always with them? I'm like, oh, okay, I was wrong. Wu-Tang is Raekwon and Ghostface. They got a group. That's kind of cool. Then I keep listening to things, and I'm like, yo who are these seven other people in the video like <laughs> so, so yeah from our perspective Houston was I'm I'm with you on that where it's like
1: impressionable impressionable
0: yeah. is the the nice way yeah. to say it
1: well we were Houston was kind of in a unique position and I'll explain why in a moment now one thing about um in the early 90s especially a lot of the southern states for whatever reason, strongly favored West Coast music. They mm-hmm. really did. Yeah, uh, and I mean from, from Atlanta all the way over across the board like to Debris. California. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, a yeah. So yeah, A lot of them favored West Coast music. So a lot of the sound that you heard, especially from Southern artists at the time, was heavily influenced by West Coast music. Um, Houston, at the time, had um, Southwest Distribution, which was the largest independent distributor of music In the country. So Houston itself, the Houston market itself actually moved more units of music than any other market in the country. Hmm. So there was more music bought and sold here in Houston than in any other market in the country. Because of that, we were fortunate that we did receive a lot of music from a lot of different places. So we we received East Coast music in equal supply to West Coast music Hmm. and so forth. Like, a ton of it. So, and we were fortunate because at the same time, again, if you go back to, like, 93, we're also listening to, you know, we're listening to Biggie. Uh, Biggie's coming out around then. Wu-Tang drops in 93. Got a funny story about Wu-Tang. I would like to hear it. Okay. (laughs) Uh, But we, we have this convergence of music from all different places because they're all sending their music to this very large independent distributor in Houston and we're getting the benefit of all of it. So we were kind of unique in that sense. But then, again, when when the radio play shifted and they were more incented to play, quote-unquote, popular music. We shifted with them. We shifted right with them. So even now, a lot of times when, you know, um, there's the thing, that if, if, you, if you talk to a lot of Houston-based talent, they'll tell you, you don't really, Houston people won't really jump on your shit until you blow up somewhere else. And I know everybody in every market says that, but it's especially true for Houston. Yeah. yeah. You, don't, you don't really blow up in Houston until you blow up somewhere else. Um, Wu-Tang. So back in 1993. <laughs> I love this. We were working with a gentleman by the name of Will Strickland, who at the time was the uh, radio DJ for uh, k um the Rice University radio station. Um, he was a Saturday – I forgot the name of the show. Came on Saturday nights. He listened to it every week. But Will was also pretty uh, – he was also pretty involved in um, working with different labels because because the Rice radio, – college radio back then was very big in terms of breaking artists. Mm, and correct. And labels were incented to keep relationships with college DJs. And Will was very influential in that sense. I remember – Early in 1993, he kept telling us about this group that was coming out later this year called Wu-Tang. We're like, that's a corny name. What does that even mean? <laughs> He's like, it's a Wu-Tang Clan, you know, they're, a lot of what they talk about, you know, is based on kind of like on martial arts stuff, blah, 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 you know, they're really into like Shaw Brothers stuff, uh, martial arts flicks, I and mean, we're like, the, the shit just sounds corny, but whatever. <laughs> and he was like, promise me, he, he was like, believe me, I promise you, these guys are going to be big one day. We're like, Okay. <laughs> December twelfth, nineteen ninety three, Wu Tang came to town for the first time. We were we were recording some music for an EP. At the new style record studio that we were not signed to, <laughs> we not, did sign. not sign. Didn't didn't signed, not signed. New style just
0: recording up there, record. sign. Not just signed. recording there. There must be a lawyer that's just waiting.
1: Nah, nah, <laughs> nah they didn't. Have, they couldn't afford lawyers. <laughs> they were spending too much on coke. But wow, <laughs> allegedly, 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 Coca Cola, Coca Cola. Yeah, we we're talking about yes. we're allegedly. Talking about. allegedly. Um, so, but in the. The studio was next door to where 97.9 was at the time. So a lot of times when talent came to 97.9, they didn't have like a real waiting room at the time. So they would use New Style Studio as their green room, kind of, sort of. Ah, okay. So we were in there recording. Uh, you know, DJ Cosmos was doing some cuts for us on a song. And while we were in there, this group of Negroes walks in. And we're like, okay, what's going on? And Will walks in with him. He's like, yo, wanted to introduce y'all to the Wu-Tang Clan. They just had a show last night at Club Northside. I was like, oh, okay. So these are the guys that you were talking about. And, we, you know, we kind of sizing them up. Like, mm. all right, let's see y'all. Uh, it was the first time. And it, amazingly, all of them were there. All, well, <laughs> amazingly, all, yes. all eight of them. It yeah. was only the... I want to say that was the that was the only time I, I've seen all eight of them. I don't count Master Killer. That's the only time I've seen. Wow, because <laughs> I was like nine, but <laughs> he does spoken word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. Master Killer was not there, but the but the the necessary eight, the essential eight, were there. Damn. And I didn't recognize Ghost Killer because uh, up until that point, he'd only I'd only seen him like with the stocking mask <laughs> yeah. on his face. Yeah. Um, ODB was ODB He walked in with a, with a With a With an old E Bottle Three fourths empty And he handed it to me And he said Yo Yo I need you to To look out and hide This poor nigga real quick I was like Okay And I just set it on the floor Because I was like I don't know why you just gave me This mostly empty bottle <laughs> um, And they They all kind of gathered around They would just kind of Listen to the music That we were working on And you know They were They at least pretended To be into it I don't know if they you know how rap diggers, they just don't really like to show that they like something. So they just like, all I right, all I right, yeah, I see what y'all doing. I see what y'all doing, young blood. I'm like, we're the same age as you. <laughs> uh the Rizza went into another room that we used to call the tape room, where they had a bunch of uh demo tapes that labels would send for promotion. I shouldn't say demo, but promotional tapes. And he was digging through the drawer that we usually stole tapes out of. So I'm like, man, I'm still over here going through our drawers stealing the tapes that we're trying to steal. Um and you know RZA was pocketing those tapes. And so me and my boy Mike went in and it's like, "Man, we want to ask you a real serious question, dude." Um cuz the rumor at the time was that there were so many people in Wu-Tang that we just never would know how many were in Wu-Tang. We were like, "How many like for real? How many how many people in Wu-Tang?" And the RZA, with a straight look on his face goes, "Yo, we deep as the Atlantic Ocean, kid." That sounds like a RZA answer. And, yeah, we just, a, and we just, I'm from Houston, man. That sounds like, like a RZA answer. No, we were like, no, seriously. He was like. Just yeah. give me a number. He's like, yeah. That's how deep it is. <laughs> and we're like, okay. So we're not going to fuck with you then. Okay. <laughs> we're going to leave you in here to steal tapes. Uh, go around the corner to see Method Man. His hand is bandaged. Heavily bandaged. Um, and, you know, of course, we're going to be like, so what happened to you? Well, you know, we had a we had a show last night here, and uh, you know, there was an altercation at the uh, at the concert, and uh, you know, I cut my hand on some glass. Have you all ever heard about the infamous Wu Tang incident? No. Would you please tell us about this on December eleventh, nineteen (laughs) ninety three? So, one thing about Houston, Houston has always been a very prideful city, and and y'all just stop me if I'm talking too much. Houston it's has a, been podcast. <laughs> talk a podcast. a podcast. That's, that's what yes. we're here yes. for. Yes,
0: talk all you want. You're going to tell this story, but then we got to get back into chaotics,
1: though, yeah. Okay, tell
0: your story, but I want to hear this one.
1: Okay. Um, so this is the infamous Club Northside story. So Houston is a very prideful city. Don't come to our city talking shit about Houston or about us because we will. We, we, do, we will fuck you up. True. Be prideful. So mm-hmm. Wu-Tang comes. And remember, this is something new. People aren't used to this kind of shit. They aren't used to a bunch of grown men coming around, you know, coming out talking about, you know, kung fu styles and all mm-hmm. this and and wushu. You know, they're just not used to it yet. Like you, we got to ease into it. And the other thing about Houston audiences that I learned is that if you're a new artist, especially, the crowd may not react to you immediately, but a lot of times they are listening. So they might not just really be like vibing hard, but they're listening to you. So when Wu Tang shows up, they're doing their thing, and one of the members on stage starts to be rating the crowd. Like, yo, y'all, if y'all not fucking with you know this Wu Tang shit, y'all niggas is corny, y'all niggas is whack. And, you mm. know, people in Houston like, Oh, you say I'm what now? I can think of at least four people. <laughs> yeah. Who that yeah. Yeah. And and so they're like, fuck you nigga. Oh fuck us, yo. Yo, fuck this shitty yo like they start they start like Cursing you! Like we came here to see you. So, and <laughs> and you know, so niggas start throwing bottles, mm-hmm. and oh, bottles start hitting the stage, and, and you know, Method Man happens to catch a, a broken bottle to the hand, and and then one of the members of Wu Tang starts talking about you know we going you know we gonna come and we gonna pull out the strap, y'all niggas want to act like this, and somebody was like, oh word, let me show you what I got yeah, right th- here. This is Texas. So. <laughs> So Wu-Tang exited the stage, and uh, they ran back to their little tour van. And as they were leaving, um, you know, somebody left them with a couple parting gifts oh, wow. in the in the van itself. Uh, fired a couple shots. <laughs> so that was uh, Wu-Tang's first experience. That's Wu-Tang's first Houston. experience. Yeah. And they had to take Method Man to Bentob to get his hand bandaged up. So he got the full Houston experience by going to Ben Top. <laughs> I was about what's to a say, been, Ben What's up, Ben top?
0: What's Ben <laughs> his, his, his hand's not going to work the same. Like yeah, you, yeah. you were saying, like, okay, things that I learned about Houston. You're yeah. learning some of these things about performances and how Houston was responding mm-hmm. being a performer right? in terms of uh, chaotic. So, chaotics. Mm-hmm. Like, are you guys, when you guys first decide now, first of all, you're not signed. No, still not signed. Still, so, no. what are you guys doing then? Are you just you're just recording? What's the plan here? We're just like we're gonna record, we're gonna release an album, but we're not signing y'all.
1: We made a conscious decision at the time, and now, mind you, we are from '92 to '97 because '97 was when we officially released our first project, so to speak. We did make a conscious decision in the beginning to spend at least a couple of years. Really just working on our music and on our performance and and working on because we're we're very competitive in terms of if we see something out there that that We want to compare ourselves to like if it's like a tribe called question de la soul Mm -hmm. We're telling ourselves. We don't want to put anything out until we feel like it's at least on that level quality and presentation wise so We spent the first few years really just we did a lot of demos a lot of recording and re-recording. Uh, performing a lot locally, because for us, live shows were the meat and potatoes of what makes you an artist. I believe. Uh, what happens when you actually get out there in front of people? Yeah. So, and I remember the first couple of shows that we did. We have a you know a couple of people who were close in our circle who gave us some very honest feedback on it. And you know we were like, we definitely got to get better at this part of it. And you see it nowadays. Like you see you see artists. They sound good. They sound good in the ears, but when you see them on stage, it's just kind of like that's the
0: running thing that's going on now where you're talking yeah. about some of the and we're not going to get into it, but the new yeah. R&B cast where it's like, yeah, you wrote good and you got great music and mm-hmm. everything, but performing
1: on stage mm-hmm. is different. That and I think that's that that drives who you are home more than anything else. Uh the other thing was at the time there was this whole debate about you know, what type of musical platform you perform over. Do you perform using DATS or do you use WAX for more of a live experience? Uh, there were people at the time who were, even back then, who were recording, I mean, who were performing over their own vocals. And our whole thing was we we were like, we will never, we will never do that. Mm, okay, Never do that. And I know a lot of people, I think people do it today more than they Than they've ever done it. Oh, yeah. Just performing on top of the vocals. (laughs) yes, absolutely. And we're like, we want to be so good that we don't have to worry about that because we want to be ourselves and we don't want to give you the exact same experience that you get on the record itself. So we spent five years just doing music, not worrying about getting signed, not worried about doing that because our first release we wanted to do independently, regardless. We wanted to put, we wanted to press up our own vinyl, put everything together, sell it ourselves just to get that full experience. Of how the process works. So
0: that was y'all's goal initially to in say to be independent, at least on that first release. Yes. Okay.
1: Um, now, for the years after that, so from around '97 through 10, 000, 2000, um, we did play the market to see what it, you know what interest there was in us getting signed, and we did get we did get approached by a few labels. Um. Electra Mercury um Atlantic East West Somebody said Def Jam I, I still don't believe it um and a few more like we we did get we did have meetings with labels The the problem was the even at the time you know we we're smart cats we we know how to read We would read the contracts <laughs> You know, and we even if we had lawyers, we would still read the contracts, and even if you don't know all the legalese, there are just certain things in there that just don't rub the right way. yeah, yeah. you know all of them at the sa- all, at the time, all of them had the clause where basically they would have options for your music for like 10 albums. so mm-hmm. you would start off with one album, and it was up to their discretion if they wanted to if they felt like they wanted to hold you over for another album, they would hold you over for another one and another one. And yeah. another one so all the 10, way up to 10. All the way up yeah. to 10. Okay. And all of them had that. And It was like, "No, because if, you know, like if we just want to do this one and don't really want to fuck with y'all after that, we want to have the ability to to walk away or, you know, reduce that number to 2 or 3 or something like that. Because most careers, most music careers aren't coming anywhere to close to 10 albums. So you basically you basically saying, "I want you for for a lifetime. I want you to I want you beholden to me past your usefulness. Yeah. This is basically what De La Soul is going through right now with Tommy yeah, Boy. Yeah, absolutely. It's the exact same scenario that, that De La Soul's is dealing with Tommy Boy right now. So we were like, no, nah, that's not really favorable to us. And and around this time, so around 97, 98, we have enough knowledge of what other artists are already dealing with. Um, Jive was another label. And I remember speaking with people close to a tribe called Quest, who's – my favorite group of all time, um, the Low End Theory was my favorite album, and I'm thinking like that album blew up. That album put them on the map, and yeah. I, and I know Tribe has broken down the numbers in the documentary since, but back then, learning the real numbers behind what they were getting mm-hmm. from something from an album that changed my fucking life, I was like, no, yeah, this can't be life. No, I was like, no, nah, we're not doing that. Like, shit, we made more money pressing up. Uh, you know, fifteen hundred copies of an EP ourselves. So, like, we're just gonna keep doing it um, until we. Uh, sign. Okay. Well, wait. Okay.
0: Until you know what? Before we get into the intel, and we're gonna we're gonna get to the intel. Let's play uh, at least some music. Let's play a video from y'all. Let's play. Okay. Uh, you know what? I'll let you pick because we got the pin, lonely piano, rare breed, and legendary.
1: Let's do let's do
0: rare breed. Let's do rare breed. That video was fun. Cause you guys, are, I'm like, yeah, I got the videos. I got everything going, and that's what we really want to get into is like what goes on after that point. Okay. It's pulling up rare breed now. No doubt about it. You
1: do it. That's the better. intro. We'll rock with that. Picture a solids, here we figure, approach of the spotlight, and a mic stand. Mic tight Mike in his stand. right hand, Mike thinking stand. of something to say that might and sight fans. fans. For the thousands in attendance, and the millions at home that have been moved by the brilliance. Brilliant. If you're lucky, this is something that you'll only get to witness once or twice in a Lifespan. Life 20 years from the start to remove when the redefining group at the charts. charts. Universally acclaimed. Who are certified and specializing in bad.
0: All right, now we have a number of videos from you, but we wanted we to at least see one just to see y'all in action. And then, the let now, the let's get back to continuing your story. So, <laughs> you're here. You're saying uh, you guys still hadn't signed, you've seen some of the pitfalls. That other people have experienced it's like uh, the tribe called quest, like the uh, I mean especially you talk about Jive records, I mean yeah. at that time, who had was u g k talking about bad yeah. like Mexico, you have a number of people coming UGK, out that like, yo yeah. Yeah. It, like what I signed ain't working for me, and now I'm making no money right like that's it, so where are you guys at now
1: so at this time we we are actually forming. Um, partnerships with distributors. So we're we're actually distributing our music directly with like uh, Caroline Distribution, um, which was another relatively large independent distributor, and another one that's that's escaped Fat Beats. We were distributed through them and one more, but I can't remember right now. Um, but through our our agreement with Caroline, we were approached by an independent label, Bronx Science Records um uh, to to release a project. And what 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 appealed to us regarding the Bronx Science was that they just wanted to sign us to a one album deal. Okay. And we're like, you know, okay, this is, you know, along the lines of what we were looking for. Um, more specifically, it was three singles and an album. And they were going to give us an advance and all this. And and our expectations were not that they would do for us what a larger label like Jive or Electra, someone would do. Uh, but what Bronx Science was able to do is that they were more, they could more effectively target the more indie audience that we had. Um, they they were able to target more of the mom and pop shops, and most importantly, they had a presence overseas as well in Europe. Okay. Um, with that said, fuck Bronx Science. <laughs> <laughs> um let me bring it back. Let me bring it back. So what I am thankful for is they were able to put our universal album um in rotation worldwide. Um we sold, by our estimates, about forty thousand units. Which was disrespectful it's man. Just, it was respectful at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, however, they used two different UPC codes, so we only got paid for oh, fifteen hundred of them. But you know, that is it is what it is. Oh okay. it is what it is. They they got us on that. But they opened us up to an international audience, which was something that we had not been able to do up to that time. Everything that we did was in the States and it was mostly mostly uh, college towns and you know, a couple of the larger markets. But they actually introduced us to the international market. So Paris and Germany, um, I say Paris like it's a country, France, Germany, (laughs) and and, and most of the other European states, um, they opened us up to, um, as well as Japan. So because of that, even though we didn't make a dime off of the sales from Bronx Science, uh, it allowed us to finally tour internationally. So like in 2001, we went to Japan with DJ Cash Money, and spent about two weeks out there. And then in two thousand two, two thousand three, and two thousand four, we were able to tour in Europe, hmm. so about a month each time. Fun fact! Fun fact! We are the first. We are the first hip hop group in Houston to ever tour internationally.
0: Really. That's a big feat, man! Congratulations, that's a but huge feat. I, I
1: have to I have to throw that up there. Before the Ghetto Boys, before even the later cats like Paul Wall, Slim Thug, we were the first hip hop act to tour internationally from Houston. Oh, that's that's incredible! That's really good. So, job. <laughs> oh, and it was it was actually it was actually a learning experience for us because. A lot of people out there obviously didn't know they had no idea, especially internationally didn't have any idea of what Houston was. They they thought it was a lot of people thought it was a suburb of New York because of the way we sounded. Ah, okay. Okay. And, okay. You know, that makes sense. And we had to, you know, talk to them about Texas and you know, in O two and O three the, the reference point was uh was George Bush at the time. So, you know you know where George Bush is from. <laughs> we don't fuck with him. But you know, it, you know, we had to go through the whole cowboys yeah. and indian stereotypes and all that but it was a good learning experience for both sides because we got to show people that Houston was a very normal place just yeah. like like everything else um yeah. so yeah that, that was oh two oh three, oh four, and then and then in um 03 or was it 04 we got to headline the the hip hop kemp music festival in prague that was a, How many people was that? About 11,000. 11,000 people. That's yeah. amazing. It's, it's and, and what's crazy is we didn't know until we got there that we were actually headlining the festival. Um, this was the second year of the festival. And I, I want to say the first year they only did, they said that the festival only did okay. Um, I think they said the problem was they closed out kind of weak. I think it closed out, that last night closed out kind of weak. And they brought us in. Again, we didn't notice this until we got there. They brought us in to have a stronger close to it because the year before, like people were just leaving like the entire last day. So we'd ha- we had no idea that that kind of pressure was on us. And we went out there and we, uh, we we it was to this day, that this, this was my favorite show that we've ever done. And because of that, they were able to get more sponsors for the next year and they went on to have um, other headliners like The Roots, Method Man, Red Man, um, I think Wu Tang did one year, so they they were able to bring in bigger acts because they had enough faith that they could carry it on based on the strength hmm. of our performance. That's good. Yeah, um, I wish we would have asked for more money for it <laughs> at the time, but it, it was really about the experience yeah. more than anything.
0: And that and what year was that? That was either o three or o four. O 04. So yeah. now we're o three and four. KX, we you released an album now, even though it's with.
1: Mm-hmm. This particular record label that yeah. you don't like, but and then well, in O yeah, in two thousand we released one with them, and then in oh two, we released the black album independently. Mm-hmm. In oh three, we released a project called Ethos, which was more of a compilation, but we still released that one yeah. ourselves as well. And and then in oh four, once we stopped touring, we we decided to work on to start working on the proper follow up to Universal. Um, and then that's kind of when that's kind of when things started to change a little bit. So, in 2004, at this point, we'd been a group for 12 years. Yeah. And one of the things that that we came we came across and it was kind of it was kind of a wall that we hit was both on the writing side and on the producing side, neither of us had, had ever worked with anybody else. We, we'd always only worked with each other. And some of the so for some of the music that we were working on at the time, you know, we were, we were always heavily into getting feedback from people throughout different stages of the process. A lot of people were saying, you know, it's starting to kind of sound the same, it's starting yeah. to sound formulated. Um, you know, you guys need to figure out a way to switch it up because, you know, even though our Universal album was well received, there was some criticism that after a while it started to sound the same. We had like twenty songs in that album. Okay. So the songs started to sound the same. And we got fourteen so we we done fourteen songs for a new project. And we kinda sat down one day and listened to it and we were like, Shit. We've we've like hit a wall of creativity. Like we can't we can't get over this hump of not making the shit sound formulaic. So in July of two thousand four We, um, you know, I I had a, I went to Starbucks and met with the R, the producer, and we had to talk about it, and we said, why don't we, why don't we spend a couple years working with different people? Um, not, not worrying about working on, on our music or whatever right now, but working with different people so that from a writing standpoint, we can grow, and from a production standpoint, you can grow as well. And then somewhere down the line, we'll come back to it. Um... And what came out of that was the R was able to, um, you know, he went on to compete in, like, the the Red Bull Beat Battle on that. Um, He eventually signed with Trackmasters as a producer, and he went on to produce for, like, Lil' Kim, Keisha Cole, LL Cool J, and quite a few other people. Okay. In addition to working on other projects with other people that he'd been wanting to work with, like uh, Dave from De La Soul and, and a few other people. Um, I went with my boy FWMJ, and we helped to start Rappers I Know, which was a collective of talent from around the country, um, including ourselves who wanted a platform for greater visibility. Great right name, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I didn't come up with it. Uh, Frank came up with it. Shout out to Frank. Um, yeah, RappersIKnow dot and and that platform was cool because it launched a lot of people who have gone on to do other things in music. Um like Jake One, um uh, Symbolic one who produced Power for Kanye. Yeah. You know, he's that's the homie. Um Jay Electronica. Wow. Who's who's never releasing an album, y'all, so <laughs> stop asking about it. I don't, I, don't child, like, yeah. I don't think people ask asking right, anymore. I don't think people ask it anymore. Like it those, is what it is. Those he are gave some me the three hitters, hit. though. Yeah. Jake Wynn, they are
0: symbolic. Yeah. One, yeah, I was yeah. a big fan of
1: Jake one. Yep. Yeah. Um, also, and, <laughs> and I promise, um, this this rappers I know was probably, if not the first, it was one of the first blogs to to feature uh, music from Drake. Oh, that's uh, awesome! A, a very, very, very young Drake. Before his first mixtape came out, there were there were a few songs that were hosted on there as well. And I remember we were laughing like, "This dude sounds soft, man." <laughs>
0: <laughs> and lo and behold, yeah. all uh, of rap music uh, now. Yeah, then he brought in the wave. And yeah. he
1: brought, it, yeah, because there was a there was a guy that contributed to the uh, to the site to the blog who was from Canada. I can't remember his name, and he would always put on Canadian artists. And We were like, man. This shit is trash. This I don't want to hear Cardinal LaFisha. Yeah. Oh man. Those, I know you heard a lot of that. Too much. Like yeah. we had to disable some of those. Boxes. Yeah. And then you put on Drake. We were like, come on, man. What is this shit? And now, like Drake is one of. He's the one top. Of, yeah. He's one of my favorites. Yeah. He's but, one of yeah. my favorites too. It's oh, hard you know, to let's say. No around. Yeah. It. yeah. Let's no, no around. I don't, it. I don't really say that publicly. You know. <laughs> <laughs> feel like this ain't public. I got to do some pushups. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that that's what came out of that. So we were able to kind of broaden our horizons in a lot of ways. And then finally, twelve <laughs> twelve years later, uh, we came back and did um, a project called Legendary.
0: And that one came out in uh, what year? Twenty sixteen. Okay, yeah, so, so yeah, 16. many years later, mm-hmm. many lifetimes later. Because we're talking about you went from two thousand. You had this Starbucks conversation in oh four in oh four. You're like, hey, and Starbucks first was coming we out. Kinda <laughs> <laughs> so, we, got, we had I had it in a small coffee shop. I think it was called Starbucks. Yeah. It was <laughs> one of them. And so in 2004 you're like, hey, let's try this out for a little bit, work with some other yeah. people. And then lo and behold, that this you you guys develop careers out of this. Yeah. Doing the doing the other stuff. Doing then, the other stuff. Yeah. 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 And then in twenty sixteen, y'all are like, okay, did y'all miss it or were y'all just what like what, what, what was it? What what makes y'all say, hey, it's been almost two decades? Mm-hmm.
1: The funny part is we had the conversation about that project in like twenty ten. Okay. And we were just you know, it was just one of those things we were catching up and we were just like, Man, what would it be like if we did a project right now? Okay, okay. And we kinda you know, we just kinda felt it out a little bit and it it was weird because everything just kind of fell into place and it, it was just a matter of us kind of getting our schedules together cuz again at this time the R is still doing track master stuff mike is he's he's teaching at this point and and doing a very good job um in the educational world as well like he's and that's that's still his passion to today and i had started diving more into filming and videography so we had to wait Kind of for our schedules to coincide, and then in um, in 2013 we did a show. This is before the album was even done. We did a show at Fitzgerald's Rested Piss, <laughs> and um, that that really reignited it because it was the first time that we had been on stage together since like 04. Okay, so like nine years, and we didn't rehearse for it or anything, and that shit just went off without a hitch. And so we were like, yeah, we need to go ahead and do this album then and get it done. So like in twenty sixteen we released it and and that was that. And we don't you know, it's it's weird because people are like, So what are y'all doing next? I'm like, don't really know. We don't we're 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 kind of at a a place in our lives where we don't need to. Yeah. But if we want to, we can do it. Yeah. Uh,
0: And it is interesting when an artist gets to a we don't need to mm -hmm. point. Yeah, you can tell where it comes, in you know, people saw Jay when you reached it. I'm always like, Drake is definitely at a we don't need to point. Yeah, like they're in a can, higher tax bracket can, than I am. Oh, oh very much so. I'm saying, you can see an artist. There's certain artists where it's like, I don't really need to do like the you know that kind of thing. Not that I don't want to say the hunger's not there, but it's just a different
1: perspective here. Where I'm like, I don't, I don't really have you, to come out. And, you know what's tough though? For me, it's tough seeing. One of the reasons why I don't like to watch a lot of performers that I grew up watching perform now is because I feel like a lot of them are caught in this, I have to perform because I have to. Like the boxer that's boxing like too many yeah. rounds. Yeah.
0: Like you're like, you don't have to do this. Yeah. You know
1: what I mean? But it's like, yeah, I do. Like yeah. I, I Honestly, I feel like this might be sacrilegious. to say. I feel like, like when I see Rakim perform now, mm-hmm. Rakim is most likely in a very good place right now. But there have been times over the last five years or so when I've seen him perform where I feel like he's only doing this because he has to. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is his plan A and his plan B. Um yeah. for groups like De La Soul, who whose entire pretty much entire catalogs have been held hostage and they can't monetize their catalogs, De La Soul has to hit the road every year or so mm-hmm. in order to in order to make ends meet. Absolutely. And it, it and I never wanted to be personally I never wanted to be in that position. So yeah, it's it's a good feeling to wake up and say, Well, I don't have to do this. Yeah. If I don't want to.
0: Now rappers I know. Yep. You kept up with that. Mm-hmm. And then tell us about Ill Mannered Media.
1: Okay. Um, Ill Mannered Media was it, it started off as really my um videography company. Uh, back in, I think, 2010, when I got laid off from a job, I decided that I wanted to I wanted to do video full time. And the reason I really wanted to get into video, honestly, was because as a musician coming up, we always wanted to do videos but could not afford them. We couldn't afford to have anyone shoot. And I always said that one day I would get the equipment necessary to where we didn't have to ask anyone to do it. So in 2010, uh, I kind of got my shit together after I got laid off, and I said I'm going to form a company, start doing video. Yeah. Um, the name Illmanic Media came up as a, as a pure accident. At the time, it had nothing to do with Nas Ilmatic, Nothing. <laughs> nothing to do with it. <laughs> do with it. Um, that's another story. <laughs> uh, we here for him. Yeah, I uh, I went I was I was messing around online one day, and there was an anagram. Um, Program or whatever Where if you type in a word Or a series of words It'll tell you what other words Could be made out of it So I typed in my first middle and last name and out of that came ill mannered media. Really? Oh, you got oh, a Childish no, Gambino that's, that's story. Dope. Yeah. No, no, no. Is, that's yeah, dope. Yeah. No, that's better than a chi- just, child. Gambino. Childish
0: Gambino was a Wu Tang name generator. Yeah. That's why that just I, came out of nowhere. I had, a, Os- had yeah. That's why I had Osiris 1980 at Yahoo for a long time. Yeah, really.
1: But yeah, no. This is ill mannered media. Is, that's an a much anagram? better story. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. pretty good. It's an anagram for my full name. And that the very next day, I went and registered that name. I was like, this is. This is it's this a is it's fate.
0: A, yeah, it's a sign from God. Yeah.
1: And I, I went and registered it and I was like, Yeah, that that means I need to do it. And it started off as video and you know, over the years it has been a um a house for whatever I do creatively, whether it's production, which I've done a little bit of, not as much lately, um, also for podcasting mm-hmm. as well.
0: Because we yeah. saw you in the, the yeah, Houston Press article no. feature you pretty heavily. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry, Houston Chronicle article. Yeah. I'm thinking press because, you know, yeah. my bad.
1: But
0: Houston Chronicle, I mean, uh, they feature plug. you pretty heavily. Like, <laughs> shameless. shameless. Shameless plug, because <laughs> I write for Because the nigga right uh, for but, yeah. No, the Houston Chronicle article feature you heavily because you're involved yeah. in a number of uh, uh, of of podcasts yeah. and in, in
1: that arena, especially when we're considering Houston, you're at the forefront yeah. of it Oh, wow. Okay. I'll take that. <laughs> um, the thing about podcasting that I love is that I I feel like it's an extension of what I learned in rap. And my my goals with rap most of the time were to deliver a message to people. Um that message might just be, you know, I'm the best rapper alive, or that message that message might be something that's more socio-political in nature. Um podcasting, what I love about it is it's a very conversational platform that allows you to convey your ideas. So I thought that podcasting was just a natural progression from what I do with rap. Um, And it really started off with me and a buddy of mine uh, named Remix. We were at his studio one day and we were just bored and we were like, let's just record ourselves talking about whatever it is that we talk about. Mm -hmm. Uh, It got kind of weird sometimes. But then from that, I said, you know, let's, uh, let's see what else... Can be made out of it. And I uh, got approached by Kashmir Don to do, no, before that, um, my homegirl Jessica O'Brien to do the Curly Nerd podcast. For a couple of years, we did that podcast where we talked about my first love, comic books, movies, geek culture, things like that. And then we did From Houston with Love with Kashmir Don and D Ray, where we talked about, well, we we our goal was to talk about things that were happening in Houston, but it really just devolved <laughs> a lot into us being drunk and talking shit, which was a lot more fun. <laughs> Always is <laughs> um, to working with uh, the fellows on the virtual reality caravan podcast, which and is just on a minor hiatus. Minor and, hiatus. <laughs> minor. <laughs> <laughs> the most occasional
0: next, podcast. Next episode coming soon. Coming soon.
1: <laughs> Um, but you know, just I've, I've been involved in about five or six different podcasts, yeah. and I, I enjoy them all. They're all fun. Oh, and right now, um, really working with Opinions While Black, featuring okay. Oz Longworth. Not to be confused with, in my humble opinion, um, that That's that podcast. Opinions, though. we like it. In my
0: humble opinion, yeah.
1: Opinions While Black, yeah. we like it. Yeah, yeah, that that podcast is a lot drunker <laughs> than this one, <laughs> and uh, a lot. Uh, well, yeah, I'm not gonna say a lot more opinionated, but it's. A lot drunker.
0: When when you're when you're drunker, I'm not gonna say <laughs> you're more opinionated, but you are more. Let's just say firm on your opinions. <laughs> you want to make yeah. sure people know your opinions yeah. when you're drunk. You're like, oh yeah, okay, yeah,
1: definitely. And and that's that's kind of where we are today. Um, I'm scaling back on the podcast now because uh, coming in 2020, have more um, film work that needs to be done. And that's that's where most of my focus will be for 2020. And until then, any more Radio Galaxy videos coming out or anything like that. I mean, they're almost done with the project,
0: and that's we're, great. And, we're and we're supposed to be okay. So we heard that Radio Galaxy is almost done with a project. This is just a shameless ad. In my <laughs> humble opinion, loves Radio Galaxy. We kind of do. And we want them, want, the, them yeah, really want them on to have them come on. Really want them on. Hey, he didn't even I, plan this, too. I just fronted I, him right now. I was hey, like, oh, no, let me get him on. I'll wear a luchador right mask. I really <laughs> want them on.
1: I'll drag him out here, man. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, actually, once the album is done, I will drag them out here to, to get them on here. Probably. You heard it first. It's All recorded. Right. Yes. Not only that, not only yeah. that, I promise,
0: because it's, it, 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 it's, it's a number of them. We'll put y'all in the in the big studio. Yeah. Uh-oh. there's Uh-oh. a bigger studio. Got a couch. everything oh yeah, that's it's a whole different gimmick Ooh, for you guys. Oh yeah, uh, change it oh, up. Oh yeah, come on hey. down, Radio bad. We galaxy. want you to come. But I'll yes, get, I'll get a pause.
1: Yeah, their their album. Um, I mean, it's it's almost done. I, I actually met with them a couple of weeks ago. We went through most of what they have done now, and yes, we did go over video ideas. So we should start shooting videos probably in January. Okay, the project. Okay. okay. It's right it's, around the corner. It is it's very nice.
0: Oh, that's I think It's so. very nice. When somebody ahead. whispers something, <laughs> that's when it's serious. <laughs> yes. It's secret. Very nice. So like, what that's a lot that's real. Beyond that, what more can we expect from Damian Randall? Uh besides catching up on Disney Plus uh, and Man, uh, Mandal- the Mandalorian. Look, man. Ninety dollars. <laughs> if somebody <laughs> spends
1: ninety, I'm like, D Rand, damn. Like, I feel you. Disney already got my money. Disney oh, yeah. got my money immediately. Yeah, they that got was it. That uh, was an automatic. Yeah, I, I can understand. I, I was like, if y'all want to do payroll deduction, y'all can have that too. Yeah. I agree
0: I mean. with you. Just watch <laughs> an episode of Gargoyles. <gasps> yes. Yeah, Gargoyles yeah. is the show. But Disney has too much stuff. No like, such thing. A, oh, it does. Look, but but you're I, familiar I, with it, unlike right Netflix. Now, when my Netflix pops up and you're like, <laughs> well, I my don't my know what this is. come up to me, like, they're like, yo. Disney blocked that legislation for that one senator because they bank, and I'm like, yo, I had the opportunity to stop them, I did. But they had the whole series of gargoyles streaming. Yeah. Like, hey. I had to come out with the money. Like, first they said $6.99, it was a no-brainer. 10 million of us subscribed. And we've only yeah. talked about Disney. <laughs> yeah, There's Fox. Yeah. yeah, I can watch all of The Simpsons. So, I can watch the six good seasons they of got <laughs> Let's be and honest. I think you can watch the other thirty six, and, <laughs> and then your grandkids can be like Simpsons they on a, you know season one hundred and four. Yeah, because yeah. it's not, not going to end. They not. I'm stop like it. when Conan O'Brien was writing, it was good. Yeah. Then he left. <laughs> it was not good. <laughs> but yes, what more? What more? Because I, I cut you off on we nah, we're going on plus tangent. W- all what good. Um, you y-
1: you'll you'll see a lot more on the uh, the filmography front. Um Working on a a comedy series, uh, which will be a sitcom format, and two features so far for next year, and a comedy we'll, series, a comedy sitcom. Oh, sitcom. It's that's, okay. that's almost a redundant statement. Mm. <laughs> a comedy situation. Comedy, a comedy a situation. situation comedy. What's this about? Comedy. Uh, uh. I'm not going to say what it's about just yet because I haven't. I don't. There's a there's a twist to it, and I still don't know how to describe it without. Including the twist to it, okay. Okay. But it's it's something that we've already started production on, and it should be hitting your way. Um, The other thing that I'm trying to develop, um, I'm trying to develop the first black martial arts film as well. Uh, That might take another year or so. A serious one. A serious one. I'm not not talking about Last Dragon. Okay. I was like the 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 disrespect. disrespect. Last Dragon. No, I'm not talking about Last Dragon. Okay. Okay. I'm talking about like an actual. And you want real like. Actual
0: uh, uh, martial arts, not like yes. a black dynamite. That's good. Though. Exactly. Or, uh, okay. Okay. Exactly. Houston's
1: the place to find him. Yeah. 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 Houston yeah. is definitely the place. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's that's another that's that's a dream that I've had co- for a couple of years now. I'm like, man, I want like a cold ass, just black martial arts film. Have you met TBW Sir Spitter? <laughs> he has a whole video. We yeah. interviewed
0: him a while ago, but he has a whole video, and he goes, "I filmed that in Houston, and it was all karate." Yeah, <laughs> like he's, cause he's. No, he's he's, he's serious. He's, he's been doing, doing he it for like eleven, twelve. Like, years. yeah, yeah. He's been doing it for yeah. a while. Okay. He was like, yeah. yeah. Him yeah, and we'll his. Talk, we'll talk off camera. Him we'll and that. his crew. Yeah. 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 So yeah, there's I'm like I'm four of you them they, popped. Yeah, that's and they rap kind of. Yeah. <laughs> like, I hope say. I didn't disrespect him by saying no, what I said. No, no, but yes. Okay, so we we know what's coming from you. Uh Anything you want to leave the leave your fans with. I have fans. Uh, uh, <laughs> Progging your Spotify account definitely <laughs> says, says you have fans. And when you look at the comment section, oh I'm yeah, like, yeah, this is in French. <laughs> I <was> like, okay, <laughs> there's the, the, the fans are this out. There's a lot of
1: comments too. I just, I do want to. That, you know what? That the wildest part about it is. The wildest lot. part about this whole experience is that our the bulk of our fan base, if you want to call it that, that's what it is. Is in is in Europe. And the most beautiful part about this experience is that to this day, there are people that I talk to almost on a daily basis from different countries across the world who originally I spoke to because of their love for the music that I helped create. But I have, for all intents and purposes, genuine friendships with. That's good. And I've, I've been able to develop a more global perspective of things um, by talking to different people from different walks of life. So the only thing that I'll leave with everyone is um, the world that you live in, the city that you live in, the street, the block, the room that you live in, is a very, very small place on earth. And and realize that there are 7 billion other people out here, and most of them are just like you. And just keep that in mind when you uh, go out and do the things that you do and make the decisions that you make. Um you know most times we get it wrong, yeah. most times we get it wrong and when we have when we have ideas of what other people are like at the end of the day, most of them are just like us that's true it, it's it's a hard concept to swallow, but it's 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 once you get down to it like that's really what it is that is true well
0: that's a that's a good note to that's leave. a good well, note to, to leave on notes it was pretty deep um I appreciate you. Deep as the Atlantic <laughs> Ocean, kids. There you go. <laughs> callback yeah. Joe. Deep as yeah. the Atlantic D-Ran, Ocean. D Rand, back with us with in my humble opinion, I've been one of your hosts, uh Carlton Banks. Avery like a very nice guy. I don't know who I am sometimes, I forget. Uh, also that we have <laughs> Jess Devon. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> y'all have y'all effect, have some of man. the most
1: unique, just like I don't give a fuck names ever. Like a very nice guy. Yeah. No, no, it's Avery, like a very nice <laughs> guy. Ah, that's why. See? Yeah. Ah. So that works. Just like you. You so, know what I'm saying? I'm, J- Devon is the one that's lazy. I'm going to tell you what
0: uh, Devon <laughs> is, and I'm going to say it one time, and we'll uh, and then we'll leave. Okay. Uh, I went to Xavier University. This is at apparently the advent of the internet, or yeah. the advent of email when people didn't care, and they said, look, here's your email address. Uh, it's your first name, your first name. Name your first initial, your middle initial, and then your last name. They said yours is drdouglin at xula.edu. I said, where's the S? They said it don't fit. I said, okay. So what am I supposed to do with that? I made that my handle for everything. I was like, (laughs) not because I thought it was cool because I didn't want to forget. So I made at Yahoo, and everything, and that just carried along with it. Here's right. But we're also at Xavier. People, people, people thought a it was Doctor Douglas. I was like, Nah, but man. the, the, the funny got thing is, doctor. He, he went to law school, but he wanted to be a doctor. That's what he first. Yeah. Oh, oh. So I, I was I Xavier, that, it was. I was to like, be a He's gonna be a doctor. But but it definitely doctor. wasn't. It wasn't was for like, oh, yeah. the doctor thing. It's like you know, his name is Devon <coughs> <coughs> Douglas. So you, I was I like, Oh, I was like, blame my mama for having the R in the middle name. That's crazy. So yeah, that's all. That's all that was. That's what it is, in my humble opinion. Podcast. We're going out on a high notes. Good night. Mwah, and goodbye, bang!
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you don't know the bang, man. That was the last guy we told, him I, I about told the I told him you know to what? do it this time. Night, it doesn't y'all. matter, Good who cares? Night, <laughs> we're, we're winning the same. Now, we have no idea what time it was because the clock stopped. <laughs> Damn, we went over.